Welcome back to the Zero to Hero podcast. I am your host, Denny Duma. Producer Carl is in the house. I've never seen Carl this happy. <laughs> we got some new mics on the Zero to Hero podcast. These are legit. Carl, what is, what's the brand? Sure. Sure? It's like, okay, sure. Nice. So we got some sure mics. Carl's super pumped about the audio. So if you're listening, this is likely going to be the best audio experience that you've ever had. No, I'm just probably not, but it'll be better than our old ones. Uh, our guest today, a uh, entrepreneur in New West, born and raised in New West. I uh, went to high school. Actually, I was born here. Yeah. And then we moved to Vancouver and then moved back for high school. And then I moved back to Vancouver and then moved back to New West five years ago. <laughs> so yeah, I guess born and raised. Just sum kind up. Of in and out. In and out. She now runs a uh, clothing boutique called Mila and Paige. Anita Dunn, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Uh, I always start the podcast by asking people to describe themselves in a few words. Okay. Pressure's on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Liam. Oh my gosh. Liam Rines. He's going to be back on the show soon. His three words is probably the funniest I've ever seen. So if, <laughs> you should go back and watch his clips. But anyway, not take away from you. Okay. Three words to describe myself. Um, I would say determined. I like that one. Um, goof. Like a, a goof. Um, don't take yourself too seriously no i don't take myself too seriously at all and um this is hard <laughs> um let's go with those two yeah i was gonna I like, say lazy like i can be really lazy like i can be really determined and really lazy it just depends on my mood i go through swings of that too and mostly it's like I'm, I can't sit still and I'm just like always needing to be doing something that is mm. progressive, <laughs> but then I go through other times where, and they're usually short lived and it's usually in the summer when the sun's out and it's 30 degrees in Vancouver where yeah. I just like want to sit on a beach for a day yeah. and not think about anything else. Yeah. I go through the same thing. Uh, I'd obviously love to hear a little bit more about your background. I know, and this is a good background to have when you're starting a business is in accounting. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I paused in the middle of the word there in accounting. <laughs> uh, so like professionally trained schooling in accounting, yeah. worked in accounting for 10 years. Yeah. And what happened then? Um, what happened then? I mean, <laughs> I went into accounting because uh, what I thought I wanted was a stable and secure job where I would never have to worry about money mm -hmm. never have to worry about getting a job. Um, and that's, I mean, that's why I went into accounting and that's like the complete opposite of being an entrepreneur. Um, but, um, yeah, even during school when I was like finishing my designation, I, I hated it. I was like, this sucks. I can't believe I'm doing this. And then, but I, like at that point, it's like you're so far into it. You've paid so much money in tuition that there there wasn't really any going back. So I finished it and then worked and I hated it. Like I just, I never liked it, but it was really like there was, I was thinking like maybe I could just be one of those people that hates their job, but at least provides them with the life that they want. Yeah. So if I have hobbies and what I want to do outside of work, which it did for a while, um, 
but yeah, I just, I was craving something different. I wanted something else. I didn't really know what I wanted to do growing up. <clears throat> Sports was always my thing. School was not. The only subject I was really good at that I didn't need to try it was math. And so I was just like, oh, I might as well go into accounting. So I did accounting mm. in university as well. Did not get a degree. <laughs> did three years. Couldn't stand it and just got out of it. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I know what you mean in terms of like not enjoying it. It's just very dry. Yeah. And uh, it's the same thing every month. Yeah. Cyclical. You do the exact same thing. Every month, there's no creativity. There's no, there's nothing. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> like, it's just horrible. But, um, yeah, I think it goes, like, I've been thinking about, like, oh, what am I going to talk about today? <laughs> um, and I think, like, the whole reason I even started the store is um, I, my whole 20s, I feel like they were about um, keeping up a facade, and having goals and milestones and, and reaching those milestones, like finish your degree, get a professional job, get married, have kids. Like I had all these things that I wanted to do by a certain age. And um, my 30s have been uh, completely breaking that down and doing the exact opposite. I, um, um, I wouldn't have opened the store if it wasn't for like a complete clusterfuck of events that happened <laughs> that led to that moment of me deciding I like fuck everything I'm just gonna start my life over yeah and that's basically what I did um yeah so to to put this really succinctly like I got divorced I ended up a single mom with full custody and um, I was living in Victoria at the time, and I, I couldn't do the whole single mom thing without any breaks. It was so exhausting. My son was two at the time, and he was really needy, like really clingy. Um, and I kind of just came back home, you know, with my tail between my legs to my parents. And I said, I need help. Like, I can't do it on my own. And I moved back in with them. And that was like a super humbling experience because I moved out when I was 18. I was always really independent and never asked for help. So I needed to do that was really hard. And then after a couple of years, my, um, my, uh, I worked for a crown corporation and they went through a major reorganization and my position was eliminated. So I was laid off. And so I was just like divorce, moved back with my parents just when, and I was just about thinking of like moving out when that happened too. And then I got laid off and I was just like, Oh my God, like just, it was like the bottom. Uh, and, but from that is kind of where I saw the opportunity to make a change because I wasn't happy doing accounting and, um, I had severance. So I thought, um, if I was ever going to start a business now was the time to do it because I had money coming in. And I had time, which is not something a lot of entrepreneurs have when they're starting a new business. Normally you're working and you're doing, you're working your day job and then working on your, your business on the side and the evenings and the weekends. And I actually had like all day to work on it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of looking back, I guess it's easy to say it turned into a fairly positive experience mm -hmm. going through it though. How do you stay optimistic? seemed like a lot of shit happened in a short 
period of time there. Yeah. Um, I think I'm just naturally an optimistic person. Um, because a lot of even like losing a job, a lot of people are devastated by that. Yeah. And it wasn't like uh, it was a layoff. It wasn't like it was for poor performance Mm -hmm. or anything. I had the opportunity to stay on because they like there were 10 of us in the position in the same position across the province and the position was eliminated completely. And then they they created five new positions that would do the work of the 10 of us. So you can imagine it was double the amount of work plus travel and no increase in pay. So I. I said, no, thank you. That's so I, I, I never really felt bad about losing my job. And um, I was actually like really excited. I was like, like really looking forward to having severance and not having to work. Like <laughs> that was, that felt really good. And um, the, the only issue though was that it wasn't a lump sum payout. It was they just continued to pay my, my salary for seven months. And if I got a job within the seven months, then my, my severance would end. So there was no incentive no. to like get a job right no. away. <laughs> not at all. No, not at all. I didn't know you could do that. That's government. Yeah. That's just how they, how they work. Um, so you go from a spot where they offer you a position with more work, turning that down and then starting a business, which is going to be a lot more work than it would have been taking that job. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah, I, I remember like start, I was starting to look at job postings and I was getting a major anxiety about having to talk myself up for a position that I didn't want to do. Like I was just done with it. And I thought I have to start my own business. And I um, a lot of people ask me, they're like, oh, have you always wanted to have a clothing store? Like you've always had a passion for fashion. And I'm like, no, not really. Like this was never my plan at all. I'm the whole reason I um, I did it is actually because I'm more passionate about downtown New West mm-hmm. and seeing that be revitalized, and um, I wanted to be a part of that. So I thought, well, how how can I be a part of the revitalization of the downtown area? And I thought I need to have like a shop, you know, make it shoppable, make it something other than bridal stores and money more money marts. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I learned, I learned the business. I've never worked in retail or fashion or anything like that. And I, I gave myself a timeline cause I wanted to have my store up and running before my severance ran out. So I had like a really short timeline to do it, but because of that, I actually did it. <laughs> and I think if like, if you, if you have a goal, but without a timeline, like if there's no plan in place, you're just, you're not going to make it happen. So, Okay. Let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. Where you're seeing a, you're seeing the opportunity in downtown New West. Mm-hmm. Why do you decide on clothing? If, if you don't really have a history in it at all, what, what made you decide clothing? Um, for me, I, I don't like malls. And, um, when I was living in Victoria, I really got used to the, the, the low, the low Joe, they called it the lower Johnson street where you can do outdoor shopping. And, uh, when I moved back, I found that I was driving out to white rock Mm -hmm. and, um, like main street to go shopping. And I was getting really tired of having to drive so far out of the way to, um, to get clothes. 
And um, there was one day where I was coming back from White Rock and I missed my turn off and I ended up going like through the Massey Tunnel. And it took me twice as long to get home. And I was so mad. And I was just like, fuck, like, why isn't there like a clothing store near me that I can go to? And that's really why I went with clothing. I was like, I think there's a need for it. I think there's got to be more people than just me that don't like shopping in malls and want something closer. And um, I actually did a survey monkey in December. Um, for, and just ask like, you know, like just basic questions about like your, your buying patterns, how far you're willing to travel, what kind of clothes you buy, um, price point, like all these, just all these random questions. And I said, I put it out on Facebook, but I, um, I sent a, a Facebook message to all my local friends and I posted in the New West Moms group and just everybody that was local. And I think in total, I sent it to like 90 people and I got 280 responses back. So, That's awesome. yeah, that was like a big sign to me that like it, it got shared. That people and, actually care. And totally. everybody was like, yes, yes, like we want this. And I think um, that would have been like the first week of January. And I basically, after I got the results back, I incorporated the next day, got my domain name. I just, I was just like, boom, it's done. Like, especially because I put it out to Facebook and told people that I was going to do this. I was like, oh, well, now I, now I have to do it now that I've told everybody I was thinking about doing it. So, Obviously, I don't know if you know much about me, but New West is our number one market that we sell in. So obviously it has a very soft spot in my heart, and I see a ton of uh, potential in this city. But what did you see? Was it f almost four years ago, three years ago? It'll be three years um, in June, okay. I guess. So what were you seeing four year, or three years ago that made you believe that New West was a spot to do this? Um, well, I think there was a lot of development. Mm -hmm. like a lot of condo buildings. Trap, the Trap Holbrook building was just finished. Yeah. And I was actually seeing El Santo open up. Yeah. And um, how busy they were every night. And it wasn't like the... the um, the typical New West crowd that people thought New West was. It was actually the people that were probably driving all the way downtown Vancouver to go dining yeah. were actually in New West. And that was a big sign for me too. Just, just seeing those people like that's, that's my demographic right there. They're here. Because of how much real estate has gone up in the last uh, few years, uh, a lot of people are moving out from outside of New West into New West as an up and coming type of area. Yeah. And one of their questions always is like, I don't know much about new West. It has a bad name from the past, but like, tell me what it, and I my response is always like, we're getting there. Yeah. It seems like every year we get one new good restaurant and there's like a couple more shops that open up and there's like, uh, you know, like big star, good sandwich place to go to for lunch. And it, it, it seems like every year there's a couple more amenities that are improving the city and, and, um, helping people stay in the city rather than traveling mm -hmm. for amenities, mm -hmm. which I really like. And I like the potential of, but it seems like we're, we're kind of like just getting started. It still feels like, yeah, I'm almost three years into it yeah. and it still feels like we're almost yeah. there. Like I still have, I, I moved from sixth street to Columbia street in the summer into, oh, okay. into a bigger space. Yeah. And, um, I was right on the hill of sixth street so there wasn't any foot traffic. Um, 
but um, every day I still get people coming in and they're like, how long have you been here? <laughs> and I'm like, like almost three years. And they're like, what? There's somewhere to go shop in New West. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Like, <laughs> but people like if you like if you don't live in the downtown area, you're not used to going downtown to go shopping or to go to do anything unless really? you know of what's down there. Um, so yeah, I think it is. It's it's still gonna take some time. And I keep telling myself that this is an investment that I got in before any of the other clothing stores got in there and maybe had the same idea if they had the same idea. I don't know, but it's, it's slow. <laughs> it's, it's really slow. You, you mentioned this time frame that you put on yourself to open the business, which was four months. Yeah. Which to me seems a bit ridiculous, yeah. like extremely quick, especially not having any background experience in this industry mm -hmm. where do you kind of start you're like okay i get laid off i have no job they offer me a job i don't want it i'm gonna start a business it's gonna be clothing now what yeah uh yeah so this was october <laughs> okay. october i left work um november i don't know what i did in november but december is when i started actually thinking about starting my own business um january I, I, that's when I made the decision to go ahead with it. Okay. Um, I actually worked with Futurepreneur. I don't know if you're familiar with I've them. I've heard of it. They're amazing. Okay. They're a government funded nonprofit organization that helps young entrepreneurs, um, write business plans and, um, they actually provide, um, funding as well. And they work with the business development of Canada, BDC. Yeah. So, um, I worked with them and I, like, I basically, I, I literally mapped it out. Like, how can I do this in order to open by May when my sevens ran out? So I, I realized that I had to have my business plan finished by the end of January to allow them six, four to six weeks to go through the review and approval process in order to get my loan. I, February, I started buying clothes. Like, cause you don't have to pay for it right away. You just, um, <laughs> you just, uh, you, or you put the order in and then you pay when it ships. So I just, I just like, I just did it and hope that everything would line up. Um, I otherwise was, you have a sweet new wardrobe, right? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could gain a lot of weight and still have clothes. I could shrink down and have everything. Um, I was looking at a, a unit on Columbia Street for like a, a retail space and um, the realtor I was working with, I'm not going to name names, um, but he, he really led me on and he was like, yeah, you're going to get this space. It's perfect for you. Um, it's going to be a great fit. And I was super excited and it was about six weeks of me thinking I had this spot. And then he told me, this is probably... It's, it's probably March at this point. He was like, yeah, I, I talked to the property owners and they lived in Alberta and they're like, they don't, they've had a couple bridal stars, um, go under in that location. So they don't want to rent to another clothing store. And I'm like, what? And he was like, he's like, yeah, they don't, they don't want to rent to a clothing store. I'm like, well, I'm not a bridal store. I'm, I'm clothing. I'm like, did you show them my business plan? Can I meet them? Can I talk to them? And, he, and he's like, no, they, they really just want like an established business in that location. And I, I was so devastated because everything like that I had been planning 
I like I had bought clothes. I had things arriving. I was already like renovating the space in my head. And um, I kind of I had like two days of just crying on the couch. Like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I bought clothes. I like threw everything into this and I don't even have a space now to move into. Um, E-commerce. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah I could have done that. But yeah, so I was really like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And um, do you know, do you know the brick and mortar shop? Yeah. Um, at the time they had the little pop-up space. They're now, they're now in the pop-up space now. Um, so I talked to Jan, who's the owner of brick and mortar. And I said, Hey, I've got clothes coming. Can I, can I use your pop-up space for a couple of weeks at least? And she was like, okay, you know, normally we only rent it out for like a weekend at a time. I'm like, Jen, you have to, like, I have a lot of clothes. I like, I need two weeks in this space. And she was like, okay, sure. Fine. So I had, um, I did my pop-up from like April 14th to the 30th. Um, which was really great. It was super busy, best sales ever that I've ever done actually. And, uh, the day before the pop-up, I signed a lease, um, with a, a space across the street from the pop-up space, which was, it was perfect. Like everything kind of did just work out, um, the way it was supposed to. Because when people were coming into the pop-up space, I was like, guess what? I signed a lease for June 1st across the street so I could show people I'm going to be right there um, when you're ready to come shopping again next month. And um, so, yeah, so that was April. I did a pop-up. May, I I don't know what I was doing in May. Um, But then June 1st, I got the keys to the new space. I renovated it, and then I was open by the 19th. So it was, yeah, it was a... a whirlwind to say like the it. least it was crazy i actually had like when i was finally opened in the store i i actually got really depressed because i'm working in the store and i'm like holy fuck this is, like, i work in a clothing store now <laughs> like I, I went from all this excitement of like writing business plans and doing all this stuff to get ready and then also you're just standing in the store all day long like doing nothing so that part was hard to get over, but yeah. Business planning stages. Just for the record, can I just note that I was not the realtor that mm-hmm. over-promised and under-delivered? Yeah. Thank you. Definitely. It was not Denny. <laughs> not him. Obviously branding for any business really, but retail is super important. Can you, I know, I know the name has a very extravagant meaning mm-hmm. do you want to just describe and where did milan page come from and um, what, what does it mean so so part of my survey monkey was about coming up with a name i couldn't figure out a name and i thought um i liked the name mila of um mila has been a name that i've liked since i was 14 and i thought if i ever had a daughter i would name her mila okay and page is my middle name so on the survey monkey i had like what if i just called the store mila or just page um, and then somebody actually commented and they're like, why, why don't you put them together? And I was like, oh, I like that. Cause there's a lot of like, yeah, like something and something like steel and Oak or Oak and Fort or Frank yeah. and Oak. Like there's yeah. all these like two names put together. Um, so it just kind of it came out that way. And then the whole muses thing came afterwards. 
because everybody was like, what's Mila and Paige? And so I was like, well, you know, I was kind of, I'm the only clothing store in New West. So that's like my demographic is pretty big. Like I can, I can serve younger people and I can serve older people. So I kind of went with, you know, Mila is more sophisticated, has a professional job, likes to wear classic clothes, probably has a bit of a higher budget for shopping. And Paige is younger and hip and trendy, probably doesn't have too much money. Maybe she's still in school, um, but still wants to keep like up on the trends and stuff. So that's kind of how, how that started. I, I <laughs> was reading that today and I thought that was a pretty cool idea. So I was curious where it. Yeah. where it started from or if you had like alter egos and there was like one was like the professional accounting side yeah. and the other was like <laughs> trendy wanting to go to um yeah. trendy restaurants and stuff like that yeah yeah i mean part of it's all me too i've i think i, I told you i have multiple personalities so <laughs> depends on what i'm wearing the day uh, of who i'm gonna be basically one thing i was really curious about is where especially with no not much experience in that industry or in the clothing design world is where are you sourcing product from at the beginning and how are you meeting people? Um, I, I think I started by going through my closet and looking at the labels. Like it wasn't something I ever paid attention to before. <sighs> and, um, I would look at the label and then I would Google it. And, um, most of the websites would have wholesale inquiries so then I would contact them and then find out, you know, where their agent was um, and their showroom was. And I found out that Vancouver actually has the Fashion Exchange building, which is on. Uh, do you know where the Home Depot is on First Ave, like First and Main Street? Yeah. Yeah. It's right behind there. And it's this massive building that's a mall for retailers or like wholesale retailers. And you go in and everybody has their own showroom and they wrap like three to five brands each. And you go there and you can look at all the clothes and, um, yeah, pick and choose what you want. Um, and then they, you can get them from all over the place. Um, most of the brands that I carry are from, I have a, quite a few like Canadian brands, Vancouver and Montreal. And then I have some brands from Denmark and Amsterdam and Australia and London. I'm phasing out um, all of my American brands. I don't really want to support their economy anymore. So, so it's probably expensive in American dollars, right? Um, they've all been kind of price adjusted okay. um, for our market. So the, it's not really, the cost has never really been an issue. Um, one thing I did um, learn throughout all my research during doing my business plan is that I wanted to stay away from fast fashion, which is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with fast fashion, but it's, nope. it's basically um, like the big, the big designers come out with their designs for the season and then all the, the, other like retailers like like H&M and stuff they go and they copy all of their designs but it's it's put into production right away and um they're basically copying other people's designs they're using um you know not the best um uh, uh manufacturing like you're 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 paying very minimal to get these clothes right so you can just imagine what the the workers are making to, to make your clothes. Um, so it's just the whole industry itself is, um, 
unethical, I think. So I, I made a decision right off the bat that I wasn't going to go that route. Um, cause uh, everything that I buy, I, I put my orders in six to eight months in advance so that it actually has time to go into production and there's actual real designers coming up with, uh, the clothes that I source. It's that long. It's six to eight months. Wow. Yeah. As a consumer, you would never <clears throat> even think about that. No. And if I don't like guess what the big trend is going to be. I totally miss out on that. Like this, this last fall was the teddy bear coat season. I don't know if you know what the teddy bear coat looks like, but everybody has one. Aritzia came out with one and everybody, um, had their own version of it and it sold like crazy. And I did not jump on that bandwagon. I had one that was pink and nobody wanted pink. Everybody wanted brown or cream. So, um, yeah, I, I missed out on that. There's an image in my head of what a teddy bear coat would look like. <laughs> I'm assuming it's nothing near what it actually looks like. Oh, I'm just like, envisioning this like really furry yeah, like a teddy bear. It's a furry, like a big furry coat, but not like but faux fur. It has ears. It doesn't yeah. have ears, no. <laughs> no, they're not we're not dressing off like bears. <laughs> So they called it teddy bear coat because it was furry. Yeah. Okay. And it's like a, like a big cozy, yeah. Furry, but it's a type of fur. Like it's like a, like a tightly woven one. Whereas I had a whole bunch of faux fur coats that look like a little bit more elegant mm -hmm. and dressier. Whereas the teddy bear coat you could wear casually. Interesting. Yeah. So one of the, I guess now it would be a good time to ask you this, but one of the things I was going to ask you was, how much of, or how much, to, how much time do you spend on like what's on trend versus like just being true to the brand? And it sounds like it's more being true to the brand. If you're ordering that far in advance, you're just kind of guessing. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I'm learning about new West too, is that there we're not on trend here. <laughs> um, <laughs> every time I bought something that's like, like, cause I, I follow a whole bunch of influencers or like style influencers on Instagram to see what the trends are. And, um, yeah, new West is, does not follow the trends. So I've been sticking to like pretty classic garments that aren't going to go out of style really quickly as well um yeah and that's i mean that's a learning process too learning who your who your customer is going to be because in the beginning you have no idea who's going to walk through that door is there much research other than the survey was there much research into like first of all styles like what your demographic is going to be looking for but also like are you doing any research on price points what people that are likely going to be coming into your store whether they're newest residents or not are wanting to spend on a blouse versus jeans versus whatever. Yeah. I mean, in that original survey monkey, I, I asked, asked those so. questions, um, kind of threw it out the door too. And, uh, just, I think when I started buying, I, I bought what I liked and I bought in the price range that I felt comfortable paying. Mm. Um, now, like almost three years into it, I've brought in some lower price point items and I brought in some higher price point items. So I still have like, I have a really broad range. So if you want to go in and you want to buy a $30 top, I have a $30 top. And if you are the type of person who really goes for the 
quality in the fabric, I have a $130 top as well. And I'm still considered in the grand scheme of boutiques, I'm still considered like low to mid, mid uh, range in my price point. Um, but a lot of new West people will look at that $130 top and be like, Oh my God, I'm not spending that on one top. Mm. Um, but I definitely do have that customer as well. So, um, yeah, I, um, I, I think every, every season I learn a little bit more and I, I, and I adjust from there. I'm kind of reactive instead of being proactive, I guess. At the beginning, I mentioned about brand, but how much time and effort goes into building the brand early on? Obviously, four months is a very short window to open a start a business from scratch. Mm-hmm. How much effort went into like building social media page and website stuff and branding rather than just like, okay, I need to order clothes and find a space and get the doors open? I, I think I put most of my energy into social media and yeah. marketing from the get-go. I I started an Instagram page before I even had a store, um, just trying to create a buzz, kind of, mm-hmm. get people excited. Um, and even today, like, I, I still try to post at least twice a day, get the the stories going. Um, I I do ads in, in magazines. Um it's so important, especially in my industry where people, that's where a lot of people are looking for their, for their clothes now is on, on Instagram and Facebook, um, a little bit as well, but mostly on Instagram. Um, so yeah, that, that's a huge, huge part that you have to be involved in. Like you can't get away with not being in, involved. Was there any effort in terms of like building a following or how did you I because that's a difficult thing to start from scratch yeah and I like I'm not I think I'm still like I'm not a millennial I think I'm right on (laughs) I might be on the cusp but there is something about like when you're in that age bracket you just know how to get followers and I don't like I it's I've never paid for followers I've never done anything like like fishy with it. Cause I don't really want inauthentic followers either. Like yeah. I, I want people who are local and who are, will come into my store following me. I'm not going to just like pay for followers just so it looks like I have a huge following when they're not going to be my customer. So what's the point? So, um, yeah, I think, I don't know how, how I got followers in the beginning. I think I just, I hashtagged the hell out of all my posts and hoped <laughs> that people would, would search on it. Um, my, I got a few tips along, along the road. Like you follow um, businesses that you are similar to. You follow their followers and hope that they follow you back. So I did some of that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of work to build an authentic following and I haven't done that. I just don't have the time. It's an outrageous amount of work. Yeah. The, and I've tried a lot in the last year ish, let's say, but the thing that I've found is the best conversion and also the most fun because you could spend a lot of time just like scrolling through hashtag Vancouver and liking every photo and spending an hour and a, and I did that often just liking 
six, eight, nine hundred photos that night. Mm-hmm. But quality versus quantity. So liking a photo, the return on spending that much time scrolling through five hundred photos is pretty low. Mm-hmm. Whereas going into something that you're excited about, whether it's clothing or real estate or wine or beer, whatever. And engaging with people that are posting about beer. So for me, beer is exciting or real estate. People that are posting real estate related photos or whatever and actually taking the time to read what they're writing and either commenting or like sharing your feedback on what they're commenting. Mm -hmm. People will engage with you that way. And often they'll go to your profile and look at what you're doing. And if they like you, they follow you. So I've, I've found a lot more return in that direction, Yeah, but it's super time consuming Yeah, because you're reading one post, you're posting something. So it might take two minutes or three minutes to do that rather than just like scrolling through a thousand photos in an hour and liking everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, when I'm in the mood, I, I, I will do that yeah. too, but it is, it's like, it's, it's very time consuming. And, and if I am going to comment, it's because I've actually read their post and totally. I'm, I'm interested in it. And I do get a lot of comments on my posts where it's so like, you know, somebody's just putting the same comment on every single post that they see. Like it usually doesn't have anything to do with the post <laughs> itself. And you're like, really? There's a, maybe it's working. I'm going to shout out to this company in New West. They're called Vision Something. Mm-hmm. And it's a dental office in New West and they comment on almost every single one of my photos and not that I post a ton, but I probably post twice a day, every single one of my photos and say, great shot, great shot, (laughs) great shot. And so eventually I'm like, who is this and why do they keep doing this? And so I go to their profile and it's a dentist office in New West. So shout out to you for (laughs) (laughs) commenting on a shit ton of photos apparently, because I'm probably not the only person they're doing this to you, but It's just not personal at all. No. But you did look at their profile. I did, but I didn't follow them. Yeah. Whereas if they said something clever about a photo. Yeah, like nice teeth or <laughs> <laughs> got a great smile, but we can yeah. make it better. Or your teeth are super yellow. Do you drink a lot of wine? No. <laughs> Starting from, I guess, like opening the doors. How do you, in any business, prospecting, gaining clients is the most difficult thing by far. What are you doing at the beginning of a retail store to attract people to come in the door? Um, or is that an ongoing, that's an ongoing battle? I mean, right now I am in the first quarter of the year is the hardest quarter of the year. Oh my God. I want to die most days because (laughs) it's snowing in March. Do you think, and all I have in the store right now are like spring dresses and like short sleeve blouses and nobody, nobody even wants to take off all of their layers of (laughs) coats and scarves in the first place to try on these clothes. But then they're like, it's snowing outside. I can't even wear this stuff. So it's, yeah, it's, um, it's an ongoing, an ongoing battle. Moving onto Columbia Street definitely made a big difference because the foot traffic is better, mm. um, and I get outside of New West traffic there. I get people that are going to the Anvil Center or the bridal shops, um, or like whatever is pulling them into to, into that area. Mm. I'm actually getting their foot traffic, whereas on Sixth Street I wasn't getting any of it. Right. 
Um, so yeah, I'm literally around the corner and I've, aside from the last couple of months, I've, my sales have been at least 50, like a 50% increase each month wow. just from going around the corner. Just from being on Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like location really makes a difference. Like even to like, uh, if you're on the right block, like if I was one side, like to the left or to the right of that block, it might be a different story, but I'm on the right block. I guess any brick and mortar location is super important, but I know like some restaurants or some one-off types of boutiques like that have just this big brand awareness that it's almost a destination rather than just like walking by and being like, Oh, I like that shirt. I'll go check, check it out. Is there, I guess obviously it's back to branding, but like, how do you grow the awareness? Yeah, I, social media, for me, social media is probably the best tool, but it's time consuming and it's a slow process. Mm -hmm. There's no secret sauce with social media. No. And I think for us, like in, in my store, it's, it's really been more about the experience that you get when you go there. Cause there's a lot of boutiques that sell the same clothes in the lower mainland. And um, what we've tried to do is actually like really engage with our customers. Um, Cause there's been a bunch of stores that I've walked into and nobody says hello and they just completely ignore you and you are left to your, to your own to find out whatever you're looking for. Whereas when people walk in through through my doors, I, me and my staff, I like, I tell them, I'm like, help them, you know, don't be like, like super crazy, like annoying. Cause some people don't like the, they don't want help as well, but we kind of want to make it like a, a personal shopping experience. Mm-hmm. Like I have some, like my regular customers, some of them just know to, if I, if I see them, like they just go straight into the change room and I just start bringing clothes for them. Cause I know their style now. I know their size and I'll just go, Oh, okay. Let me grab you what's new and what you're going to like. And we'll just go straight into the change room and they, and they keep coming back because I know, I know what they're going to like. And they, they get this engagement. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to brand awareness, it's more, I'm really, really riding on word of mouth. Like I want my good customers to tell their friends, you know, if you, if you actually want to get helped at the store and have someone help you put an outfit together, because a lot of people don't know how to put an outfit together either. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to, we're going to help you do that. Um, so that's really the only thing that we can offer that other I mean, other boutiques could do that, but you don't really see it. Are you, are you very vocal about that? Like, how do you market a particular service? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's on our Instagram bio. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, how do you showcase that to people? Yes. Word of mouth, but that's a slow moving process. Yeah. Um, and people keep, keep coming back, which is fantastic. Referral based is awesome. And usually those are very strong candidates, the referrals types, mm-hmm. but ha- like anything, like for our business in real estate, we feel like our service is better. How do you communicate yeah. that to people unless they're in the store? Right. Mm-hmm. Is there a way? Is that, is that something that you think about trying? How do you portray that the shopping experience in our store is going to be better than anywhere else in lower mainland or whatever? I I don't know if you There's, can. Yeah. Like, I think people are so, like, 
we're constantly marketed at like all day long people are trying to sell you something and i think when it comes down to it it's really like word of mouth is the best form of advertising mm-hmm. and um you can't you can't buy those kind of referrals you can't tell your friends to be like oh hey go tell you know all your friends about this like it has to be authentic and yeah i mean i don't know i don't know if there is a way to convey that i think it's just it's a time thing it's uh i think in any business you're always thinking about like how do you gain more traction how do you get from step one to step four and (laughs) it's almost like creativity wins in most in most cases whereas like I don't know, like a super funny video of an experience in real estate or a super funny video of a shopping experience and getting that to go on social media and pick up traction mm-hmm. does super well. Yeah. Like we did a we did a, a marketing video in, oh, it was probably a year and a half ago now that was like the perfect day in the life of a realtor. So it was like me and my partner, Jamie, <laughs> have you seen this video? It's pretty good. It turned out a lot better than I thought. Uh, waking up and I'm like going for a bike ride. He's playing with his dogs in the park. And then we had a narrator like talking as we're doing this. And then it's like, but this is not what a day in real estate looks like. And then so it kind of like rewinds and it's like Jamie trying to eat while he's on the phone. And then me like <laughs> like being on the phone while on the computer and like yelling and hitting a plant because something, you know, whatever. And then it flashes to us doing a showing so we like open the door for someone and the tagline at the end was like no matter how unperfect our day is we always try to make your experience as perfect as we can or whatever so it's it's seemingly like online is getting so competitive so it's like how do you set yourself apart Mm -hmm. and you just have to do like weird funny creative (laughs) things I mean, in the beginning, um, because it was so slow in the beginning and I was left by myself in the store. I, I made a lot of videos, uh, like just and posted them on Instagram and I would, I'd call my sister over and I would, yeah, I think, and I think it did help because it, they were funny and people were, were laughing and I'd got, it'd get a lot of comments and I mean, I had nothing better to do at the time. <laughs> Um, I still like it. I mean, it's all dependent on my mood, but like every once in a while, like if you watch the Insta stories, like sometimes they're like, <laughs> they're pretty, <laughs> pretty outrageous. And, uh, yeah, it's always good when like you get a lot of comments or messages like, Oh my God, what's wrong with you? There was like one Insta story I did where I just flossed the whole time. You know, the, the dance move. Oh, I know it pretty yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. I just did like a story. I'm like, I'm just going to floss. I went through a phase where I, it probably wasn't that long. It was like a month or month and a half, maybe where like, I just flossed anywhere. I'd be at an open house and nobody would be there. So I just like set up my tripod and was flossing yeah. the kitchen. Yeah. And then someone comes in and I show them around and then no one's there. And then I'll go like right by the first sale sign and do the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) There was actually a hilarious video in real estate. I don't know if you saw this girl had like a couple million views. It was this guy did a marketing video for one of his listings, Arizona or something like that in the States. And it was a two and a half minute video of him flossing in every room. So it was like him as the garage is coming up. 
literally for 10 seconds. It was like, it was almost too much, but obviously it catches traction. And then him in the living room, standing on the sofa and then him in the bedroom, standing on the bed, on the bed. It was like two and a half minutes of this. And it was the same. And it was like stone face, just like really, really slow. But it, I guess it worked. I don't know for him. (laughs) Yeah. I'm all over that. Yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of flossing. There's so much, when you start a business, there's so much trial and error, right? Yeah. You're failing all the time at things and you're like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Let's try this. <laughs> mm-hmm. How, okay, you're three, you're three years in. Mm-hmm. How has it evolved in three years in terms of like, you say, you mentioned you started ordering based on your styles. Has that changed? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I still like, I order what I like, mm-hmm. but I know now that there are certain things I can't buy. Right. And I'll be like, Oh, I really want this, but nobody's going to buy it. So, um, yeah, it is, it is trial and error, um, for the buying. Um, what else has changed? I, uh, I still, I still do, um, uh, work on the side. Like I still do accounting on the side. Um, for, for income, um, cause it's still, I'm still just breaking even every month. So I'm not, I'm not even at zero yet. Like your whole, your podcast is called zero to here. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm waiting to get to zero. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the, I think, I don't know. I, these are the people I like talking to. I don't want to talk to the the dude who posts super glamorous photos on Instagram every day and is like putting this facade out. Right. I like talking to real people that are understand and are going through the struggle and just know how sure on the outside, maybe owning a business and running your own dream clothing store or whatever business looks super glamorous. Mm -hmm. It's like a ridiculous amount of hard work and daily you have to like push yourself to keep going almost. Yeah. You're waking up and being like, why the fuck am I doing this? This is terrible. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. This is what I'm doing. Okay. Let's. Yeah. I, I mean, I had an opportunity in December to take another job and I, I really considered it like but where I, I do contract work for my old cor- crown corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, a position came up and I was like, oh, you know, like 35 hour work week, good pay. I have benefits again. Like I can go to the dentist again. Like <laughs> there was so many reasons to just be like, fuck it. You know, like when it's so hard and you work every day all night long. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't see that side of, yeah, I own a own business, but I also have another job to that funds that business and I work all the time and you know I was working till midnight last night. But on the flip side, like I I go to yoga at nine AM in the morning too. So I have like it's nice to have that the ability to, to make your day what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't have to spend two hours commuting in a car to go to work. That part's really great, but yeah, it's not, it's not glamorous. <laughs> like just because I'm an entrepreneur doesn't mean I'm like wealthy yeah. <laughs> or yeah, living the dream. You said you seriously considered that job. Yeah. What, what is keeping you going? 
Um, There's pros and cons both ways. Yeah. I mean, I think just knowing that I wouldn't be happy. Like, yeah, Yeah. I'd have, I'd have money again. I wouldn't have the stress. I'd sleep again. Like I'd get, I'd get a lot of things from it, but I wouldn't at the, at the end of it, I would be miserable, you know, doing something that I didn't like doing. Mm. So that keeps me going. And, um, I keep telling myself that, you know, I'm, I'm almost three years in and everyone says it's three to five years before you actually start profiting. And, um, I still believe in it. I still believe that with all the development happening in, in this city, that, um, it will be successful and it will be profitable and it'll pay off. There's so many new towers in downtown New West. Yeah. There's a, probably three in the next six months that are going to have occupancy. Mm-hmm. So that'll probably be another <clears throat> six or seven or 800 residents in the yeah. downtown core, yeah. which is insane. Think of all the cars. Just keeps, oh my gosh, it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. Good thing you live close to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's <laughs> retail is obviously a very different industry that you didn't that you weren't in before what's been like the biggest eye-opening experience in retail um how how much weather affects sales um hr Mm. um having to manage people that was not something i i really thought about um my the toilet overflowed and i had to become a plumber for a day like like there's just so many things that you have to do um, that it's not just about like playing dress up. <laughs> Some days it is, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, everything, everything about it has been new. One of the things for me is what it was, it's insane how many shitty things you will do because it's your business that, if it wasn't your business, you'd be like, no, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like cleaning up a toilet that overflows. Uh, cleaning up a, a toilet that overflowed, yeah. uh, all the sweeping, um, shoveling the sidewalk in the front of the store. Um, I, I'm the garbage man too. I don't have garbage pickup. So I'm constantly at the recycling depot. Like it's just, yeah, you do a lot of shit. <laughs> We're really selling entrepreneurship tonight, aren't we? (laughs) I know. I was just thinking, I'm like, this is maybe like either the the worst time for me to come on the show or the best time because I'm going to be like, like this is like, this really sucks. Like right now it really sucks. Like this time of year, this is not like, like good sales month. I'm not going to be promoting it right now. I think what's super important to share though, is just that every single entrepreneur goes through this. If you're running your own business, every day is not sunshine. Mm. Like, do you listen to many podcasts? No. Okay. Gary V is someone that I love and he's like the ultra, ultra entrepreneur. And (laughs) he calls himself, he now has a company that has like 900 employees or something like that, but he calls himself the, he calls himself a professional firefighter. what, What does that mean? He's like all day, my all my my only job is to put out fires. Mm. Susan is upset at Linda in the office because Linda's not pulling her weight or wh- whatever. It's like that's my job. I have to put. It, I have to make these two people like each other. You know, I have to build the culture. I have to 
anything goes wrong with a customer, I'm the guy at the top. So it's always my fault. Yeah. So I'm just constantly putting out fires. Yeah. Which is such a cool way to think about it. And one thing he always, he always talks about is, uh, everything is your fault. Yeah. So when you work for someone, you can always be like, oh, my boss sucks. He didn't train me properly. Or, you know, this other person that gave me paperwork that I was supposed to fill in did it wrong. So it was their fault. Whereas like, regardless of whether you have any interaction with a client or not, it's, it's your, your fault, fault for not training that person properly yeah. to greet them properly or to provide that experience that you're providing. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with that too. I had a boss years ago that said that there are there are no bad employees. There's only bad managers. Like mm -hmm. if you're not training your employees properly to manage the situation well, then that's, that's on you. So yeah, I've, I've had to take the fall <laughs> quite a few times. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, everything's my fault. <laughs> it's honestly a very, eye-opening and freeing thought process to have. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about it like that? Um, not in those words. Okay. Not in it's my fault. <laughs> now I'm going to. I'm going to be thinking, oh God, it's all my fault. It's almost, it, for me, I don't know, I'm a weird personality, but for me, it's um, almost more motivating and more optimistic yeah. than what it sounds coming out. Everything's yeah. my fault. It sounds super negative, but in my head, it's super, um, optimistic because I'm in control. Yeah. No, that's true. Where's where, whenever I'm not in control, I feel helpless. I feel like, what mm -hmm. am I doing here then? If I'm not in control? Mm -hmm. No, if it's your fault, then at least like you have an boat. opportunity to make like a on change. A boat, for example, the water, the ocean scares me. It's more powerful than me it wins all hundred times out of a hundred, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not in control on the boat. It scares me. All right. I'm the same way. I in business, like I'm in control because I can, I can alter the outcome with more work or better training or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like a super optimistic thought. Yeah, no, that's a really but good one. When I point. explain it to people, they're like, ah, it sounds very negative. Yeah, it does, but I, I get it. I get where you're coming from because then there's there's opportunity there. I feel like I feel like there's so much room to grow that it's exciting. How do you find like how do you stay motivated? Because I go through these like ebbs and flows and ups and downs of like just stagnant periods where I don't do any. I don't do anything different. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I need something to work towards in order to get motivated. But there's definitely periods for me where and it's with our business, it's easily easy to just kind of fall into the seasonality of it because we've got like six really busy months from like February, March to July. And mm -hmm. then usually August is pretty slow. So it's easy to just kind of take it easy that month. And then usually we're busy again from September to November and then December is pretty slow. So it's easy to just kind of be like, okay, I've, you know, in 30 more days, it's a natural slow period. I can relax then. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, it's just this like weird, 
um, mindset that I just want to get better every day. So when I was a kid in, uh, I sports, I played sports till in the university. And when I, I remember I was probably like seven or eight and one of the coaches told me there's no such thing as staying the same. You either get better or worse every day. And so obviously that's a way as a coach to just like try to motivate people to work hard and practice and stuff like that. Don't be lazy in a practice cause you'll get worse kind of thing. Mm. I don't know if it's necessarily true, but like that is something that replays in my head all the time. So I wake up, feel like I'm having a lazy day or I'm like hungover on a Sunday morning. I work seven days a week, so I still have to go to work, but, <laughs> but I literally think about that in my head and I'm like, I don't want to get worse today. So I better just like have a coffee and suck it up. Mm. It's strange and it's difficult to explain. Um, I definitely have unmotivated periods and times and days and weeks, but it's always come, it comes back to the thought like one, I want to get better because I've got these big goals that I want to get to. Maybe it's just big, ridiculous goals that I'm going to get to. Yeah. And if I am lazy and take a couple of days off, then it's going to prolong getting there. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think having goals is a good motivating factor. Like you have to have something to work towards. Yeah. Um, I found like sharing the goals too, whether it's on your social media page or with your boyfriend, girlfriend, friends, mom, whoever, mm -hmm. provides this like weird mental accountability. Yeah. And so I've, I've found that as pretty good too. Yeah. That would, that would definitely make the difference. Cause I've, I'm the same way. Like if once you put it out there, yeah. then everyone's holding you accountable. So, and not so much that it necessarily, sh you should really care what people think about the goal or who, whether you're going to get to it or not, but it's almost like a, it's like mental for me. It's just like, Oh, I've said this. I have to do it now. Yeah. Like this year, one of the things I said I was going to do is exercise every single day for 365 days. Mm -hmm. And of course there's days where you wake up and you're like, if I miss one day, it's really not that bad. I'm not going to get fat because I miss one day. I might not feel as good afterwards, but whatever. But I'm just like, I have to do it. I have to go for a 20 minute run or you know, yeah. something little, but I have to exercise every single day because I've said I'm doing it. Yeah. Have, okay. have you done it? Oh yeah. Nice. I'm going to beat Liam. Liam's only, Liam's only going to do 100. I'm doing 365. <laughs> That's... Even I hurt my back the other day working out. It wasn't that bad. I just like pulled a muscle in my back. So then I, I couldn't run really. So the next day I just went on the bike for half an hour. But it's so weird mentally what it does to you if you like tell people you're going to do something. Yeah. Because you, I don't know, you almost just want to prove them wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, I mean... You could lie about it too, but then you would still know about it yourself. Exactly. And then, yeah, and then, then you feel like a failure. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little bit more about retail. I worked in retail for three weeks. <laughs> it wasn't my thing. What, what are, what frustrates people? What frustrates consumers in retail environments? Because for me, going into a clothing store, you're almost defensive as you walk in the door. So, like, how do you break down the barrier? Because like, let's say I walk into whatever, a shoe store. There, it feels like there's someone 
on you as immediately and they're like, what can I help you with? And you're like, leave me alone. I, just, I don't yeah. know yet. I just want to walk around. Well, it's, but it's a, I guess it's a pretty fine balance. It's a very fine balance yeah. because there are the people that don't want any help at all. And then there are people that just come in the door and they're like, help me. Yeah. Just lost. So you really like, I like to give people like a few minutes to just like watch their behavior, mm. look at what they're pulling, if they're pulling or what they're checking out. And like, I kind of like slowly approach them. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you, are you looking for anything? Just out of the corner of your eye, like, yeah. On the hunt for something. And, you know, you just, yeah, I think I'm getting better at reading people. Um, there are some people that walk in and I, I look at them and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to say a word to them. Like, you just, you just know. And other people that, or it's obvious that they want help or they want to talk or, or something. But uh, I mean, when it comes to consumer frustration and clothing, I mean, a lot of women are frustrated when they're trying on clothes. Fit, right? Yeah, like fit is fit is hard. And I, what I've had to tell myself is that I'm not going to be able to please everybody, and. Like that's just something you have to accept and it sucks because there are a lot of people that don't fit the clothes and I, there's not a heck of a lot I can do about that. I can't change that for them. Um, so yeah, that's that, that, that it's hard on me too, because a lot of people will say, you don't carry my size. What, uh, what do you do when something like that happens? If something doesn't sell? Um, like, like at the end of the season, I'm still holding mm. on to stuff. I'm still figuring that out. Like, mm. um, I, I, I will hold on to it for like next year, which I've done. Um, I'll pull out stuff and you mark it down. And that's something I didn't do the first year. I didn't really mark my clothes down like you're supposed to. And now I'm kind of like at the end of the season, I'm like, I don't care how much money I get back. I mean, I hope to recover my costs, but I don't want to have to box this up and store it for a year. Yeah. So it is better just to get rid of it than to hold on to it. Um, but yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. I've consigned some of the clothes, like taking them to consignment shops and you get like maybe 20% of what you paid for it back, which is really, really hard a hard pill to swallow when oh that part sucks sometimes i keep the clothes if they fit me <laughs> and i like them what's the most difficult part of uh retail clothing from your perspective because i assume inventory management would be very difficult mm-hmm. and probably would frustrate a customer to come in and be like i need a size four and you're like oh i just sold the last one 20 yeah. minutes ago yeah and what's can I can you order me one? Yeah, uh, come back in eight months. <laughs> um, yeah, that I mean sizes like I yeah. I want to have variety, um, so I buy like sometimes I only buy one of each size in a certain style because it's a small store and I want to have variety. Um, and yeah, part of me is like if I had just bought like all smalls and mediums, would I have sold like twice as many because the extra small and the large are still sitting there and it's that size isn't, isn't going. Um, 
and I think maybe over time that is something I will be able to figure out a little bit better. Like what is the popular size? Like what's, what's the size that's going to sell more? Um, sometimes I can reorder stuff in, um, but not, not often. And the timing, I guess would be tough for that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of frustrations. What else? (laughs) (laughs) No, I just think like in general, like. Would staffing be difficult in a small store too? Um, I think in retail in general, there's a lot of turnover. Yeah. Um, I've been really fortunate since the summer that I haven't had to do any hires. It's like almost been a year of the same employees, which is amazing. I'm like keeping my fingers crossed that they don't leave me because (laughs) having to hire new people, it's so, it's so hard because it is a small store that I don't have a lot of staff on at at once. Mm -hmm. Usually it's just me and and one other person and me, like I'm in and out throughout the day as well. Um, And then on weekends right now, I only have one girl on. And like in the summer, I had two of them on, but I, I need to hire somebody who is willing to work for, well, like just above minimum wage now, who is competent of working by herself and also engaging with customers. Also like, like a whole bunch of attributes that I want in, in an employee and it's not easy to find, um, yeah, so that's yeah. HR has been has been a big eye opener on how time consuming that can be. And it was in the beginning. It was really hard to get good staff and then keep them. I found hiring to be a big challenge because a lot of people can fake first impressions mm-hmm. and they can do it pretty well. Mm-hmm. So trying to go with a gut instinct on whether or not you think someone is just putting on a facade or not. And yeah, they're super bubbly and friendly and excited in the interview, but when you're not watching them, are they going to be providing good service? Or are they going to be texting their friends or on mm. Instagram on their phone yeah. and saying, Oh, just let me know when you need a size. Yeah. Oh, I had a girl that read a book behind the counter and maybe she said hello when people came in. I don't know. But I had one of my customers actually like sent me a message and was like, I just want to let you know about the experience that I had mm-hmm. in your store. And uh, my customer is pretty short. I think she's like about five feet tall and she couldn't get something off the a t- a high shelf. And the girl I had working didn't even offer help, just sat and read her book the entire time. <laughs> But I'm super happy to have that feedback because she didn't she didn't last very long. <laughs> that employee. Before uh, real estate, I worked for my dad in sports bars, and so I a couple of years in management, and so yeah, it's frustrating to get that feedback because when you're there, that people are amazing and they're friendly and they're really good with employees, mm. and when you leave, they're in the back on their phone. Or <laughs> yeah. walked in one time when. I don't know. I left and forgot something and came back and there's someone in, in the kitchen like with a textbook studying. I'm like, there's like 27 people outside. What are you you doing? Oh my God. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. How do you get over that? Like, how do you, um, any words of wisdom for people finding themselves in HR and management positions right now? 
How do you get over that? Other than being there 100% of the time to look over their shoulder. I I mean, I don't believe in micromanaging. I think, I don't know if you get over that. I think you just have to find the right people. <laughs> and I don't know what it is about some people that think that they can just show up to work and then not work. Like, I, and there's, those people exist and drive me crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you like just put cameras everywhere. <laughs> so they feel like they're being watched. Some, and, okay, Talking about restaurant and pub industry. Some do that. Yeah. I won't say any names, but I know like a fairly big, uh, pub bar type company who has cameras everywhere. And I've talked to, I've being in that industry, I meet a lot of people, met a few people that were like pub managers or bar managers in those, in those places. And they uh, would get texts and be like, Hey, Christy or Susan or whatever is on the phone, on her phone in the back of, and be like, Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> They're just sitting, <laughs> They're just sitting on their phone looking at cameras all night. <laughs> so strange. Yeah. Wow. I guess they're just like, so maybe it's just happened so many times that they're just like, fuck this. I don't want to, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm going to watch every second. Yeah. <laughs> Which is insane. Well, like you might as well just be there. Yeah. Might as well be there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, big goals. We talked about goals, needing to have goals. Mm-hmm. What are the big goals for the business? The online store. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it's not something I wanted to do. Um, cause I, like the whole point was about having a retail store in, in downtown new West. Um, but I keep getting asked for it and I, especially on Instagram, people are like, can I buy this online? And, um, and I'll say like, I'm like, I don't have an online store, but you can call the store and we'll ship it to you. Like no problem. And it's that extra step of them having to pick up a phone Mm. and make the, make the call or the purchase over the phone that loses the sale. So I finally just said, okay, I have to, I have to have an online store to complement it. Um, which is so time consuming and I've been working on it since, November, I think. And, um, it's March now and I'm, I'm almost there, but it's like, I get, I get like three deliveries a week, maybe more, sometimes less. And in each delivery, like you have to put it through the POS system. You have to have pictures, you have to like upload it all. Um, it's, it's not, it's not a quick thing that you can do to, especially to like be on top of like all the new stuff that's in your store. And then you have to link it to your Instagram, which I still haven't figured out how to do yet. Um, but the problem, like, as we were talking, I'm like, I never gave myself a deadline to have my online store up and running. And I think that's why I haven't finished it yet. Cause I've just been doing it like as I have time here and there, my, my accounting job has been taking up a lot of work the last couple of months, so I haven't really done anything with it. So, yeah, that is, I mean, that is the goal Are you right now. putting it together yourself? Mm-hmm. Man, I would not even know where to start. I would call Carl. <laughs> Be like, Carl, I'm thinking of doing an e-commerce store. 
how do I do this? Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I have, I have no idea how to do computers or anything. Are you just anything. like YouTubing? No. Like, how, I, are you, how are you just figuring it out? It's, um, the, my POS system has an e-com platform okay. and they actually have like a, like a, a website builder built in with like a, so I, it's, it's actually very user friendly. Like I can go in, I can kind of create the design and the flow of it. Um, so that part has been okay. <laughs> and they've got like people I can call and ask them a ton of questions. Um, so that part is, is all right. Um, but it's just the time consuming process of uploading. Mm and managing it and i have no idea how like the first sale is gonna like roll out like yeah it's yeah i mean it is like running another store and that's what a lot of people have told me is that um people think an e-com store is less expensive than a brick and mortar store but it really isn't when you think about like everybody has free shipping or free shipping on returns and all these other costs that are associated. Like, um, like people probably would have somebody dedicated to, to running the online store. Mm-hmm. Um, that, but that's just, that's just me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's not cheaper. And I've, I've been to some like, um, seminars on like brick and mortar versus online and people, it, it does seem like there is a switch to brick and mortar. I think online was a bit of a fad, but people still, you know, they, they want the interaction. They want to feel the fabric. They want to try it on. And, um, the costs are actually less with a brick and mortar store when you, when you roll everything out. Hmm. But I know some people that only shop for clothing online. Yeah. I, maybe I'm just super particular, (laughs) but I feel like nothing fits me yeah i will go into a store that i like and try on 87 shirts and one of them i'll be like "Eh, i could maybe buy this am i gonna actually wear it because i think it's a touch bit baggy here Mm. i'm the worst and (laughs) this is actually good (laughs) i'll spend like an hour in a change room it's brutal and walk out with nothing with nothing oh you're the worst at the end (laughs) you're the absolute worst it doesn't fit me properly anyway yeah. Usually I, or I'll like see a pair of socks that I like at the end and just be like, okay, I'll just get these socks. I'm actually really bad. And I now think it's caused it, me to not like going shopping that much. Okay. If there was, if the associate, like the sales associate was helping you, like yes. if, if, if they were watching you come out and you're just like, because eh. every time I have to put my pants back on and go walk and get a different yeah. size and come back. But if they were watching you and they were like, if they gave you suggestions, uh, on things to try, would you be open to that? hundred percent. I think I've had one shopping experience like that and it was at Nordstrom. Yeah. Oh. Where the guy was actually really good and he'd be like, okay, what do you not like about that? And I was like, oh, they're too baggy around my thighs or for jeans or something. Like, okay, I'll be right back. I'll try these ones. Mm-hmm. And it was actually really good. Yeah. But other than that, I've ne- I don't think I've ever had a good yeah, I mean, helpful that's, retail experience. That's what I try to do. Like when I see some someone coming in and out, and they're like not liking it, mm-hmm. I will always offer them suggestions. I'll just be like, because it's this. frustrating yes. and it's annoying to like put your clothes back on. Yeah, it's go a lot pick of out work. one more shirt. Be like, okay, well, I don't like this one anymore. Go pick out another one. So I, I almost just get frustrated, and I'm just like, oh, I'll try somewhere else. Mm-hmm. 
do you buy online then or are you nope no yeah no i've never <laughs> it's just a frustrating clothing experience for me yeah no i i mean i'm the same way i although i what really bothers me is when people think about it like they'll try something on yeah. absolutely love it and then say i'm gonna think about this yeah i don't, I don't do that and i'm like who has the time to think about it like you're gonna have time to come back here and spend another day like are you gonna look for parking pay for parking like really like just make a decision now like you know, that drives me crazy so then being a very tough shopper like i am i'll find one pair of pants that fit like in the summer i was in the states and i found one pair of jeans that i really like the fit and so i bought six different washes Cause I was like, I don't want to go shopping for jeans again. Cause it's frustrating. I'd like yeah. this fit. So I'm just going to get, get all yeah. my jeans I need for the next three years. I think that's a common trait for, for men. Is I've heard that a, that a lot. Okay. I think it's a dude thing. I've heard <laughs> that a lot from a lot of guys that are like, if I find a shirt that fits, I just buy it in every color because it's just, it's easier. Women aren't like that. Women are not like that. No. Women like the, Hey, you better be careful. What I say. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, they want variety. Like, they want like different the experience stuff. of, shopping rather than necessarily finding the perfect item mm -hmm. like the experience is fun mm -hmm. going out and trying on 30 shirts or whatever yeah for yeah me it's frustrating <laughs> yeah no i think for some people it's for some women it's frustrating as well but yeah there's definitely girls that just want to like let's go try a class yeah. <laughs> make a big mess <sighs> yeah in the fashion industry now a few years are you an expert I knew you were going to say that. What's, okay, this t teddy bear, I'm still envisioning what a teddy bear coat is. What is going to be the thing for this year? Animal print. Is it? Yes. It's back. Oh yeah, huge. How long ago was it in? Is it like the 90s? What was it? When was it? Yeah, like I always think of like Peggy Bundy yeah. with her like leopard print tops and stuff. So that was, that was 90s, right? Early 90s. Is it back yet or it's just starting? It's starting. Mm -hmm. It's starting now. I've had like a few animal print stuff, but like this fall, especially everything, like every brand I looked at had their like leopard print sweater or whatever it is. It's, it's huge. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we're getting out of camo. Like camo was really big for a while there. Um, and now that's kind of fading out. I'm not, people are kind of done with camo I don't think I'm going to buy anything leopard print this year Carl <laughs> are you? maybe <laughs> Carl's going to go try on everything leopard print that he can find <laughs> be a great uh, Instagram story <laughs> um, I love how real this was I love that I always talk about ups and downs it's cool to for me it's exciting to see someone who's really passionate about what they love, even though it's not, <laughs> it's not all sunshine and rainbows. What's the best thing? We'll end this way. What's the best thing that you've liked about being self-employed in the last few years? Um, I think my quality of life mm -hmm. is, I mean, I don't have any money anymore, <laughs> but it's like living on your own terms right? is living on my own terms. Yeah. Like I, I get to drop my son off at school in the morning, whereas before I would have had to drop him off at before school care and then commute for an hour. Like now I can, I roll out of bed at eight o'clock, 
get him to school. I go straight to yoga. I, and then I go to the shop afterwards. And I mean, yeah, there are nights where I'm working until midnight, but I, I chose that, you know, and it's, it's, it's freeing. Like I feel like I, I feel free if that makes any sense. So I think, yeah, I think in, in, in those terms, like that is my success is just being able to create my day. And, you know, if somebody wants to do something in the middle of the week, I can do it. Like there's no, I don't have to call my boss. I don't have to try and get time off. Like I can just, I can just do it, which is really nice. <laughs> there's this line that I always say, I say every single day is Friday for me. Yeah. Meaning that I work every day. If I want to go out at night, I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but every day is Friday. Yeah. If I want to have a beer after work, it's Friday. Might yeah. as well. Yeah, totally. I am in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it, For me, it's just like putting an optimistic spin on like, oh shit, I have a 16 hour work day today. But it's Friday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my wine afterwards. <laughs> uh, where can women or men looking for leopard print clothing find you guys? Uh, they can find us at 665 Columbia Street in New Westminster and very soon at shop.milaandpage.com. Can't wait to see that. Yeah, me too. And Instagram is Mila and Page? Mila and Page. Beautiful. And, and Facebook and Twitter, which I don't do anything on Twitter. And Snapchat <laughs> too, but I don't do anything on Snapchat. Not publicly. Anyways. Anita, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was great to meet and connect and hear about your story. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> Are you going to do another podcast? Sure. <laughs> Why not? Guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, I'd love to hear feedback. Denny.doom on Instagram. Good night. <laughs>